Hello, Jordan. Hello. Speaking. How may I help you? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm probably beyond help. <laughs> but our good listeners are probably not beyond help. That's why they're listening. They're looking for something, right? I, they might just be bored. <laughs> I don't, do we really help with that? I don't know. Let's see. Uh, we did get... One comment last week on the podcast, uh, which I'm not sure how to take this because only one comment, but this is a TBM. This is a possibility. This is a, that person's initials. Maybe. Or it could mean something else. I don't know. Says, I haven't listened to all, pod, all episodes, but this is the best one I've heard. TBM, are you talking about all the episodes in the world, like all podcasts? <laughs> Probably he is. Possibly this was the best episode ever made. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the feedback. Uh, what I know we talked about Easter and women and uh, spirit and stuff like that. Let us know what what made that the best podcast ever. Yeah, I thought it was no. I thought it was fun. I got some good feedback on last week. Uh, Christos Anesti, by the way, that's the traditional greeting. We have. This week is uh, sort of a continuation of Easter week because you have the Eastern Orthodox Easter's coming up next week. There was some dispute early on. I think it caused a significant split in the Orthodox Church early on. Did I just say early on twice? Is, it, there, anything, <laughs> there, is there anything that wasn't disputed back then? Well... Yeah, a lot of, like, if you come from a, an LDS background, you've heard about the Council of Nicaea. Mm -hmm. Many Mormons are not aware that that was the first of several ecumenical councils that went on for about 100 years, right? where they decided on different doctrines. So that was 325 AD, and then by about 500-ish, I think they, when was Constantine? Um, He was... Wasn't it like 500-something? Something. Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Oh, Constantine was 280 to 337. So he would have been, yeah, right then around the Council of Nicaea. So he made it the official religion of Rome there in the... That would have been the 4th century, 300s. But, uh, but yeah, there, were, there was a lot of debate over what the official doctrines were going to be for a long time. That's true. That's true. Did that debate, did that debate ever end, truly? <laughs> well, the Orthodox Church did get a pretty good stranglehold on everything. Right. That, and, and then... Um, Issues like the the 
the date of Easter, for example, got solved, or the nature of the Trinity, that got solved. I believe that we are... The theology is settled. Yeah. <laughs> for example, I think, we, I think we celebrate Easter on um, the day we do because it's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the equinox. You ever thought about that? Why Easter's always dodging around? I, I wondered about it, but I haven't ever really looked into it. Jordan's looking into I it can't, right now. I'm looking at, into it on Google here. Yeah, the first Sunday after the full moon that occurs on or after the spring equinox. Now, the Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox, go, I think they do it a, a week after that. I'm not sure if it's the full moon or not. Let's see, I'll look for that. While he's looking that up, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Mind Virus Podcast. I'm Bobby Flood. That's Jordan Bruno. And you can find us online at mindvirus.show, where you can leave comments and tell us that we're the best podcast you've ever listened to. That's what most people say. Most it, people, last episode, that's what they said. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so the, the Eastern Orthodox, they have to use the Julian calendar and uh, f- find the number of days that were skipped in the Gregorian calendar. So it's just older tradition. So for the unaware, uh, the calendar used to be based on dating relative to Julius Caesar. That's why it's called the Julian calendar. And then mm-hmm. the Pope Gregory reformed the calendar and... There were some catch-up days that needed to be added back in at a certain point. I can't remember the whole history. On I'd that. like to go down in it's about history. eleven days. I'd like to go down in history with a, a calendar named after me that people use. The Bobbian calendar. The, the flood. The Floodian calendar. Floodian calendar. Or the flood calendar. Yeah, I, I need to figure out how to how to do that. Are we so we should base it on cataclysms like the past flood, or are we talking about maybe the future one? Should we date forward or backwards? Hmm. I'll have to think on this. You ever seen the doomsday clock? Yeah, I think so. Is that the, um, is that the, the, uh, that's the one that is a clock about doomsday. (laughs) Very good. Is that like the sun, the sun's going to burn out clock? No, it's more like, uh, how many seconds to midnight based on society destroying itself. So, so we're on borrowed time now. Yeah, like these experts, I'm not sure who who gets to be in charge of this, but they basically have this clock that says how close we are to midnight, which of course I guess is catast- the global race to c- catastrophe here. And Fact, factors like cl- climate change or mm-hmm. nuclear war get put on this clock. And see, the problem with this clock is it it's not like always moving forward. They'll move it back. You know, like if, if you're good, they'll give you some more time. Yeah, so if we pass some really, laws that... It's not really a real clock. We pass some laws that ban beef or uh, fossil fuels, we can, we can buy ourselves an extra hour. Yeah, something like that. Well, that sounds stupid. 
Well, it kind of is. <clears throat> I think it's just more of a a fear mongering tool or something. Well, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's probably one of the many different tools um, <clears throat> that we have out there that are all designed to do one thing, and that's to ruin our our freedom and our autonomy and our our liberties and uh, basically our our uh, very existence and turn us into genderless automatons that just kind of exist to feed the machine. How's that for doomsday? <laughs> Anybody interested in the bottle of black pills that I've been swallowing, just get, <laughs> leave a comment on mindvirus.show. I, have I know you, a guy. Have you ever been to the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry? That's a cool museum. I've never been to Chicago, except I think we passed through there when I was a little kid, when we were driving across the country. It's a pretty cool place. Really, really got uh, some great exhibits there. But apparently this clock was originally on display there. So those guys who run the, the, the Museum of Science and Industry, which has got to be a fairly so what, serious socialist. Uh, con, uh, what time is it right now on the doomsday clock? I'm, I think it's at 75, but I'm trying to figure out more information on, on it real time. What is 75? How does that relate to midnight? It can't be 75. I think 100 is midnight. I think it's got to be worse than that. There's an article from the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. It's book. 100 seconds to midnight? Yeah, 2022 Doomsday Clock Statement. Ooh, it's 100 seconds to midnight. This isn't a very intuitive clock, Bobby. Two, well, is, is, is two, leaders and citizens of the world, regarding at Doom's doorsteps, it is 100 seconds to midnight, date January 20th, 2022. Last year's leadership change in the United States provided hope that what seemed like a global race toward catastro catastrophe might be halted and... <laughs> <laughs> you can't even read the first sentence without realizing how stupid this all is. <clears throat> Let me try this again. I'll do it in my best... Uh, Bulletin voice. <clears throat> Last year's leadership change in the United States provided hope that what seemed like a global race toward catastrophe might be halted and, with renewed U.S. engagement, even reversed. Indeed, in 2021, the new American administration changed U.S. policies in some ways that made the world safer, agreeing to an extension of the new START arms control agreement and beginning strategic stability talks with Russia. <laughs> That's pretty good bulletin <laughs> bulletin voice there. I how like did that. those how did those strategic stability talks with Russia go? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, okay, so now I see why you're laughing. It took me a minute. Let's continue. I want to read okay. I want to finish the first paragraph here. Okay. Announcing that the United States would seek to return to the Iran nuclear deal and rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. Perhaps even more heartening was the return of science and evidence to US policymaking <laughs> in general, especially regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh. A more moderate and predictable approach to leadership and the control of one of the two largest nuclear arsenals in the world marked a welcome change from the previous 4 years. Okay, so these guys, we know what these these guys are all about. Yeah, and they have a picture with the, of them next with to the masks. clock with masks. It is one hundred seconds to midnight. <laughs> I'm trying to see oh. when was the, when Wait, was the, this article? January tenth, January twentieth, January yeah, January twenty twenty two. 
Waves of internet-enabled lies persuaded a significant portion of the U.S. public to believe the utterly false narrative contending that Joe Biden did not win the U.S. presidential election in 2020. Continued efforts to foster this narrative threatened to undermine future U.S. elections, American democracy in general, and therefore the United States' ability to lead global efforts to manage existential risk. Well, yeah, I guess if you're, if you, I guess if you take this, this worldview, then maybe we are 100 seconds to midnight. I, I would think. I think we're about three seconds I wonder, to midnight. Do you, I wonder if they have a statement from January 2016, like when Trump was, I guess that would have been January 2017 well, they had when some, Trump was inaugurated. They have some, along the side, they have some past clocks, like 2020 was 100 seconds to midnight. So for two years there, we didn't really move, I guess. 2018 was two minutes to midnight. That's 120 seconds, by the way, for those of you that mm-hmm. don't know math. Just to see how the scientists tried to trick you there, because that was only tw- only 20 seconds elapsed Wait. in two years. <laughs> so let's look at two and, a, two and a half minutes was only 30 seconds after that. And so every year we're losing only a few seconds, three minutes. That was another 30 seconds in 2015. <clears throat> Here we go. 1947. It is seven minutes to midnight. 1949. It is three minutes to midnight. 53, it is two minutes to midnight. 1960, it is seven minutes to midnight. Somebody like messed up the clock. These go all the way back, and we've always been somewhere between like 12 minutes. 1972, it was 12 minutes to midnight. What happened in 72 that we we bought some more time? And then in the 80s... Did Nixon resign? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Well, they've got the statement. Let's see. View the full statement. The only surprise about the Russian-American SALT agreement signed by Brezhnev and Nixon in Moscow on May 26 is that the summit meeting came off at all. But once the Russian decided to carry on as host to the man whom they had reviled as the architect of Vietnamization and the perpetrator of the renewed intensified bombing of North Vietnam and the mining of its harbors, the rest was as predictable as grade B television Western, including the irreconcilable differences that could resol- be resolved only by the last-minute intervention of the two great statesman, statesman leaders. That's Nixon that they're talking about, <laughs> a great statesman leader. I guess. So these guys love Nixon. Now we've been presented with the greatest step towards world peace since the Sermon on the Mount, and we are torn between the <laughs> impulses to cry bravo and the desire to shout fraud. This is the START Treaty? <laughs> The street. No, this is. Yeah, the, the that's what salt, that's what prompted salt. Salt. Two. The salt treaty. Okay, salt not the start two. treaty. Salt. Two. They they have confusing acronyms, and usually, if you have an acronym in a governmental situation, it means you are about to be screwed. That's the you don't. That's the Y <laughs> A A B S. This is the, kind of a treasure. The Yabs Treaty. This is a treasure trove of propaganda, and let's see, 1991 was the first time we were, oh no, that's 17 minutes to midnight. Let's see, a new era, they call this one. With this issue, the Bolton resets the Bolton clock from 10 to 17 minutes until midnight. The clock is in a new region because we feel the world has entered a new era. Never before has the board of directors moved the minute hand so far at one time. Conceived at the dawn of the Cold War, the clock was designed with a 15-minute range. John A. Simpson, one of the Bolton's founders, said that a 15-minute scale was all anyone thought would be needed in their lifetimes. The present move was not easily agreed upon. 
Board members initially expressed divergent views, as did some of the sponsors of the bulletin. But on balance, a consensus was reached reflecting a a conviction that the world was changing in fundamental and positive ways. So 91, this is right after the first Gulf War? Yeah, the Cold War is over. The 40-year-long East-West nuclear arms race has ended. The world has clearly entered a new post-Cold War era. The illusion that tens of thousands of nuclear weapons are a guarantor of national security has been stripped away. In the context of disintegrating Soviet Union, large nuclear arsenals are even more clearly seen as a liability, a yardstick of insecurity. But the world is still a dangerous place. The START agreement, not SALT, the START agreement, which mandates reductions in the number of strategic nuclear weapons, does not initiate a process for retiring the warheads and converting the blah, 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 blah. Okay, you get tired of that one, huh? I just think this is kind of an interesting little time capsule of whoever these people are and what they, re, what they viewed. Uh, you know, of their version of the catastrophism. Right, and different events and how they thought that doing this thing made the world better, doing this thing made it worse. I still think it's funny that, <clears throat> that the worst thing ever was the election the of election Donald Trump. The election where everyone thought it was stolen. Let's see, here's... And then Biden's doing everything possible to take us to war with Russia as fast as possible. And their, their January article is so woefully ironic for that reason. It is. Woefully ironic. It's full of woe. So this was woe. written... Here's their woe. two... Woe be unto the doomsday clock, people. Two, leaders and citizens of the world, regarding it is 30 seconds closer to midnight, date January 26, 2017. Over the course of 2016, the global security landscape darkened as the international community failed to come effectively to grips with humanity's most pressing existential threats, nuclear weapons and climate change. The United States and Russia, which together possess more than 90% of the world's nuclear weapons, remained at odds in a variety of theaters, from Syria to Ukraine to borders of NATO. Both countries continued wide-ranging modernizations of their nuclear forces and serious arms control negotiations were nowhere to be seen. They go on. These guys sound like kind of a bunch of like hippies. I, th- I want to like hippies. I think what you mean by that is uh, statists. <laughs> hippies turned statists. <laughs> yeah. Like former uh, insincere hippies that turned into statists. I want to see if we can find Unprincipled out. Unprincipled hippies. There you go. Oh, they've got some open positions. Join our team. The bulletin is growing now faster than ever. Next week, they Mr. Need, Mr. Flood and Bruno join the Doomsday Clock think tank. They have an opening for chief... Chaos audi- ensued. <laughs> chief audience officer. That's an interesting... T- these, the CAO? They have a... I'm the cow. I'm the, I'm the CAO I, 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 of the DO. I found the job I want. I want to be the director. O-M. I want to be the director of individual gifts. That's one of the options? Yeah. So how do you uh, sign up? Can you just sign up and get it? Or do you have to go through a hiring process? The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists seeks a director of individual gifts to develop and implement a comprehensive metrics-driven annual giving plan, drive long-term donor cultivation and stewardship, and grow revenue from various constituencies. Oh, you know what? I think they're, they want, they they're not, not talking about giving gifts. They want you to they be want the money. director of getting gifts. Yeah, yeah. Key responsibilities include improve outreach and giving from existing donors. I like how they call it giving when it's really it's them it's that's getting. <laughs> Newsletter subscribers and other members of the Bulletin community qualify prospects for ability, affinity, and access to support the Bulletin. 
Work in partnership with the Chief Advancement Officer to create an achievable stewardship plan for all Bulletin donors. And it goes on. Well, friends, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you need a job, you may be interested in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Well, they have a whole section on Ukraine, and it's just uh, lots of bad things about Russia. Uh, and the current things. I'm trying to find more about about who these people are. I'd like to know, I'd like to know their names. But well, it, this is an interesting. Uh, it's, this is an interesting. So for 60 years, six. Well, no, yeah, since 1947, I think was the first one. How many years is that? 70 plus years. They've been telling us that the end is nigh. So the the executive committee is chaired by David Coolman. Cool man, that's a K U L K U H L M A N. So this is like a Klaus Schwabism type of a thing. Coolman is managing partner of Axiom Consulting Partners, a consulting firm that helps clients identify pathways to profitable growth and align their organizations for long term success. So this sounds like uh, maybe some sort of a lobby marketing guy, John. Balcom, longtime advisor to managements and boards. <laughs> He's an advisor, a public consultant. He uh, previously was president of St. John's College and chairman of an NYSE company. I don't know what that means. So New York Stock Exchange. No, but I mean, does that mean <laughs> the New York Stock Exchange or a company on the exchange? Because that could be yeah. anything. Rachel Bronson, ex officio, president and CEO of the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, where she oversees the publishing programs, management of the doomsday clock, and a growing set of activities around nuclear weapons, nuclear energy, climate change, and disruptive technologies. So she was on the Chicago Council of Global Affairs. Look, prior to moving to Chicago, Bronson served as senior fellow and director of Middle East Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations in New York. Earlier positions include Senior Fellow for International Security Affairs at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, Harvard, Harvard University's Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs. This is Bronson? Adjunct professor at Columbia University. Yeah. Where are you seeing that? Second paragraph. I only got one paragraph. Which page are you on? I went to staff. Oh, I'm on the executive committee page. So she's she's a big... So there's more information on the staff page. Yeah, and you can, it's got a link to all of her articles. It's definitely, yeah, so that's definitely so C- status. So CFR, okay. John, yeah. John Mecklin, editor-in-chief. Previously, he was editor-in-chief of Miller McCune. So oh, there's, there's a couple of fellows Pacific here that Standard. are... There's a couple of fellows here that are editorial fellows. What does that mean when you're a fellow? Oh, he's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> What's a fellow? He's it's a, like a position at a university or some, something that's like... I always picture like kind of a somewhat overweight, balding, happy-go-lucky guy, kind of like Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson is a fellow. Within the context of higher educational institutions, a fellow can be a member of a highly ranked group of teachers at a particular college or university or a member of the governing body in some universities. What is a fellow at a charity? Hmm. 
Fellows, fellowships are designed to provide access to well-established nonprofit professionals who have a real interest in the fellow's professional growth and development. So a fellow, that would be somebody that's getting paid by them to be a fellow, to be developed, I think. Okay. I'm trying to figure out who all the donors are to this place. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Warren Buffett, are you guessing? The Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, <laughs> and Colonel Sanders before he went teats up. <laughs> Ooh, I hated the Colonel with his wee beady eyes. Well, this is one, this basically is just another uh, globalist kind of think tank front, probably money launderer. Money laundering all, front. It, all advocating the same things I just talked about, right? It's all leading to us losing our liberty and our autonomy and our, our self-act, uh, our, you know. Self-determination. Self-determination. Yeah. Turning us into genderless cogs feeding the machine. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I think it's interesting and fun to look at some of these websites and just to read what, what, you know, I, we always say on this show that they are telling us exactly what they're going to do. There was a fellow from the WEF recently out there on a media tour talking about biological surveillance and how the surveillance needs to, be, uh, needs to, to get under the skin, under our skin, meaning literally under our skin, not something that bothers you, but implanted into your body. So it's like Im- imagine yourself having, having a... 24-7 real-time colonoscopy. Is that what this is? And even talks pretty about... Pretty much what's going on, folks. Knowing where you're going, what you buy, what you watch on television. So a colonoscopy with GPS. Yeah. One that goes so far up that it gets into your brain. Becomes your brain. <laughs> but I think it's true. These, these fellows, they that's, that's tell That's what us you do with sock puppets, exactly, by the way. Exactly what they want to do. Here, you don't believe me? Here. Because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. We want to stop this epidemic. We need not just to monitor people. We need to monitor what's happening under the skin. What we have seen. When he was speaking, he he had a little tape recorder, and he, he clicked play, and then the creepy music started and then he began to say into the mic what he was <laughs> this is a montage that someone put together they added the they creepy added the music. creepy music i thought he carried around a tape recorder because he was like a, a bond villain or something but the guy he's like more of an austin powers villain isn't the guy he? he's talking to doesn't look convinced he looks a little bit mortified actually <laughs> and we'll link to this and he looks like a statist right and He's that, a mortified status. That is a man named Yuval Noah Harari. COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept to legitimize total biometric surveillance. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We are really acquiring divine powers. But it's all I'm just, speechless. It's I all, mean, it's all a com- it's all just. What, a are, what are we going to talk about today? What are we, seriously? What are we going to talk about? Because <clears throat> is it that bad? I mean, <laughs> twelve seconds to midnight. It's not a hundred seconds. It's closer. It's closer than that, and it's not because of the nukes. Well, yeah, I I I don't, still don't know how they how they. Oh, they have a statement on COVID nineteen. Um, 
The bulletin guys, the atomic yeah. scientists. Well, clearly their name implies an interest in the atomic nuclear weapons thing. They have a book, The Doomsday Clock at 75. So 75 years they've been telling us the end is nigh. Oh, okay, that's why they have that out there. It's confusing because at first you think it's a 1 to 100 type of a thing when you see their title at, at 75. The Doomsday Clock is a design that warns the public about how close we are to destroying our world with dangerous technologies of our own making. It is a metaphor, a reminder of the perils we must address if we are to survive on the planet. You blew it up! <laughs> you blew it up! <laughs> if we're to survive on the planet. Reminds oh, me of the, wow. the spoiler alert, but the last scene in the, planet, the original Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston. You blew it up. Yeah, he's sitting there kneeling in front of the uh, Statue of Liberty, the fallen Statue of Liberty. Yep. Yeah, that was an interesting piece of propaganda. Yeah, yeah, that was created in the 60s, I think. 68, maybe? Uh, maybe when, when, you know, a lot of uh, nuclear, nuclear, a lot of nuclear kind of uh, doomsday things were created back then. 50s and 60s, and, and rightfully so, we did drop a nuclear bomb. 68. We did drop two nuclear bombs on Japan in 1947. Who did, the Russians? No. Well, I, I thought we needed to worry about the Russians because they were it was, dropping nuclear bombs on it people. It was Donald Trump. Donald Trump dropped nuclear bombs in 1945? Somewhere around there. 44, 45? That's, that's one thing that's really interesting to, ought to be interesting to Americans is that we've been running around getting mad at people for nuclear bombs. We've been raising the alarm on this for a while, but we're the only people that have ever used them. So yeah, how should the other how should the rest we, of the world feel about we us used them having nukes morally by dropping them on cities full of innocent people? It was a moral thing to do. Right, it if you, was in the words of Madeleine Albright, it was worth it. If you uh, listen to the rhetoric and the propaganda surrounding that, the idea was that the Japanese would never surrender. And they were having all these bloody battles in the Pacific. And so if you watch the documentaries, it's really, it really plays that up, that the troops were getting demoralized. Everybody didn't want to, you know, they, they were getting prepared to have to invade mainland Japan. And, and it was bad. And the Okinawans were jumping off of cliffs. And, you know, the J Japanese were going to fight to the last man. What they never tell you is that the Americans had made it clear they would only accept unconditional surrender. There's a difference between conditional surrender and unconditional surrender. <laughs> and it's, it's only a very small difference. And that, that is that at least with a conditional surrender, you have some hope, some hope that your conquerors will take into consideration your, your desires for, for how the, the captivity plays out. <laughs> Okay, because see, it's still surrender. You still give up. You still allow them to occupy your territory, right? But unconditional surrender is we own you totally 100% forever. And that's what happened to Japan. So they said, they, they, they told the Japanese there was no way we we're going to surrender. And they, or there's no way you're going to be able to surrender without un unconditionally surrendered. We're gonna, surrendering. We're going to own you. And 
now, granted, Japan did attack the United States at Pearl Harbor, but there was a lot of political uh, antagonism going back and forth. You know, this was a time of uh, kind of the, the tail end of the imperialism years. I know that they usually cap that off in the early 1900s, but you got to realize that that's essentially what Hitler was doing, taking over areas of uh, Europe and Africa, and the Japanese were taking over a lot of East Asia. So when the United States was trying to cut them off from their oil supplies in Southeast Asia, you know, there's, there's a lot of good evidence that we were antagonizing each other. And it was pretty clear what was about to happen, so the Japanese struck first. And I'm not saying what they did at Pearl Harbor was good, but it's more than just the way that it's framed in your ninth grade history class that, oh, out of the blue, all of a sudden, without warning, that they, that they uh, attacked Pearl Harbor. There was plenty of warning. There, again, there was a book written, I think we've talked about this before, once the Freedom of Information Act guys had gotten enough data it turns out that the, it's pretty clear that the United States government knew the Japanese were going to attack, and they let it happen. Our, our carrier fleet was conveniently out to sea on maneuvers, which was the only thing that the war planners actually valued because we had an aging you know, World War I-style fleet full of battleships and stuff, and they, they knew the, way, the direction war was going. So... Uh, the carriers were super important. They were out to, on maneuvers conveniently, and the Japanese were unable to fully blunt the American Navy at that point. But, you know, we harbor a lot of hatred towards the Japanese for that, and a lot of people think, hey, we should, we should be able to demand unconditional surrender. But what that did was it caused the Japanese to want to fight to the very last man, woman, or child, and and it made it very bloody. And then it it uh, that situation created an environment where the propagandists could say, "Hey, we had to drop the bomb," which is probably the most the most horrific actions against humanity in the history of the world that we are aware of. Probably were Nagasaki and Hiroshima. We have to, or maybe the firebombing of Tokyo. I mean, during World War II, we we did that in Germany and in and in Japan. We 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 destroyed, they call it strategic bombing, right? We just destroyed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of innocent civilians that were caught in the middle of the war. And the the pressure on the, because uh, it's the leaders that were going to surrender. It's not like the Japanese people got to vote on this, right? They had an emperor at the time. And it's not like the Germans and and the Nazis ever got to vote on. <laughs> the problem was they voted the Nazis in, and then it was all over from there, right? Because Hitler then took full control. So, so it's not like the strategic bombing really caused Hitler to want to surrender. In fact, <laughs> he he waited right up till the last minute and uh, sacrificed his own people and supposedly shot himself. That's another good question, right? That's another thing. We I think we've talked about this before. I've always wondered. When I was a kid, I didn't get it. I, the books I read he, said that AIDS burned the bodies, and I wondered because you know he AIDS didn't kill himself. He became a real estate tycoon, tanned his skin artificially, bleached his blonde his hair blonde, and became the 
president of the United States in 2017. Oh, so that was Donald Trump. Literally Hitler. Literally Hitler. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered because the, the books that I read said that, that he committed suicide. He shot his, he shot his, uh, not Gr- really his girlfriend. wife. What, girlfriend. Girlfriend, Eva, Eva Braun. And then, <clears throat> and then he, he killed himself and then AIDS burned the body. And so as a young kid growing up in the 80s, I'm like, AIDS, how, that, that's a strange disease. How, do they, how did that kill the body? How did that burn his body? And it took me a little while to figure out, oh, his, his assistants burned the body. But so we have another Osama, you know bin, the, Osama bin Laden problem here, buried at sea. You know what the comic book rule is? Right. No body, no, body, no, no death. death. Right. Right. So little, that's a little, I think you've taught me that before. Uh, you know, think about, think about the last season of Stranger Things, you know. Anyway, I haven't see, I haven't seen that, but don't, don't spoil it for me. Spoiler <laughs> alert: there are things in that show that are strange. Okay, stranger. Anyway, lo- long story short, we we had, we were we were fully culpable in, in the United States as far as atrocities. Or, or sorry, during World War II, the United States was culpable as far as certain atrocities go, and being complicit in wanting that war to go worldwide, and. The Japanese were willing to surrender. The, apparently, the record, the record shows that Roosevelt was aware of Pearl Harbor before it happened. That's, the, the information on that can be found in a book called Day of Deceit. I think that's by a guy named Stinnett. And then um, they wanted to surrender for, for by all accounts the japanese did want to surrender but there was one condition <laughs> there was this one condition they wanted the emperor to retain his status as a symbolic figurehead and and because we wanted unconditional surrender we bombed those two cities we weren't willing to work with back channels we weren't willing to allow them to to retain any shred of national dignity well, yeah. Why would and we? that was it? We we so we destroyed Nagasaki and Hiroshima with the bomb, and Harry Truman was the emperor of the world at that point. The Russians were scared. There was none who dared to molest or make afraid. I was uh, looking through this 2022 climate on doomsday or statement on doomsday climate, and they somehow tie in. The, the riot slash rally on January 6th at the Capitol. Uh, anti-vaxxers, <clears throat> what they call <clears throat> what they call anti-vaxxers and misinformation all into this doomsday stuff. But they do prop up the little girl, what's her name? Um, Greta Thorne in your sideberg. Yeah, Greta Thunberg. You know what? Have you noticed what that she does not age? She know? doesn't age? No, she's like 20 now. She looks exactly the same as she did when she was like 13 or when she burst onto the scene. I don't think she's a real human. I think she's like... A, a, she's made up. She's grown out of a, a laboratory or something. Well, maybe they just recorded all the stuff t- seven years ago and that's it. It's they a, just have a bunch of... Uh, what do you call it? You're a film guy. The extra, the extra stuff, the the... The the B roll is it B roll is that what it's called B roll what is that Yeah, that's called B roll. B roll is what you use to to manip- fill in the gaps. It's what you use to uh, manipulate what people are saying by cutting an interview 
uh, and then you cover the cut with B-roll, like uh, let's say I'm talking about B-roll, and I'm sitting here talking about B-roll, and if this was a documentary or a news story, or a video, they could be showing, we could be sh- showing rolls pictures like, of B-roll or someone filming. A B-roll or, is not the, the smashed rolls at dinner at Easter <laughs> that, that nobody wanted, but you're still hungry, so you have a B-roll? Yeah, it is that too. But no, but B-roll is just, yeah, it's flavor footage to, to cut, over, cut over uh, uh, people talking. And it's one way you can hide cuts. Oh, like when you, like the guy's picking his nose, so you got to cut it out. Yeah, or instead of having him say, this movie was one of my favorite movies that I never watched because I never want to see it again. You could just say, cut have that him out. say, this was one of my favorite movies. And- can't wait to see it again. <laughs> and then you won't be able to tell that it's the that the yeah. it's jerking around because Listen, I, I, audio's I, easier to clip you, together. You, you give me twenty minutes of someone talking about anything and I can make them say anything just by editing the audio. It's easy to do. Dear listeners, you can take our podcast and you can make us say anything. We've blathered enough words that you can probably find all the words. So all you got to do is play like vid- I, video of uh, nuclear bomb explosions and then you can put that over the top of anybody's interview and make it look really bad. Yeah. Like dire. But for real, Greta Thunberg doesn't age. Well, I think it might be B-roll then. Like do they, they well, that, that's not B-roll though. So I'm just saying they pre-recorded everything. They probably just recorded everything. Maybe. She looks very angry. Well, yeah, she's always, that's her thing, right? That's her shtick. But you would think that like, like she would age, <laughs> right? People do that, especially teenagers. Teenagers change a lot. And it, I don't know, it's just one of these weird oddities about her in general. Like she came out of nowhere. She's not, she's not ever had a childhood. I mean, no child should be some sort of worldwide activist touring the world, being told what to no, say. No child should be left behind either. But uh, we did that anyway. <laughs> so that wrecked our school system more. Greta Thunberg. Thornber- Thunberg? Thornberg. Thunberg. Th- like Thunder? Thunderburger? Yeah, just... At, at she's from t- like some sort t- of a Nordic country, t- right? T-H-U-N. I think she's Swedish or, yeah, Norwegian maybe. Let's see what Britannica says about her. And so the idea was she was going to get angry enough that people were going to She's some Sweden. allow Al Gore to make a lot of money on climate manipulation, climate uh, carbon credit exchanges. Is that, the, is that how that works? Thunberg's, yeah, maybe. Thunberg's mother was an opera singer and her father was an actor. So she's... She's the child of performers. <laughs> she's, she's a child actress. Anyway. Yeah, what are we going to talk about? We're almost an hour into this. Four, I think that's, we're minutes. just wandering around the doomsday clock thing. I don't know why we even started talking about that. I don't remember either. Um, I, uh, the, that doomsday, those doomsday people make me laugh, though. They have some really dumb things on their website, and we're supposed to take it seriously. Yeah, that really got us sidetracked. Well, let, let's talk about current events then. Um, China, like, I want to say this to the listeners. 
and I've always had a pessimistic outlook on the economy anyway, but it looks like some of our concerns are holding true here. It looks like this, this, I don't, I don't want to call it a recession because they won't call it a recession until it's too late, but it looks like there's cracks appearing in the They'll call it a recession as soon as uh, Republicans own the House and the Senate. Well, it's a recession. Technically, they have to fiddle with the numbers and make the GDP growth go negative. Yeah. So they'll, and sometimes they do that backwards looking. They'll revise back. But the problem is all the all the fireworks occur. The things that affect like you and I, like you know, say you want to buy a house, and say you want to finance that house, and say you want the bank to loan you the money, but say interest rates go way high and you can't afford the payments. That's the type of thing that happens before the recession hits. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the Fed has been raising interest rates or is going to start to raise interest. I think they raised interest rates just a little bit. And they stopped what's called quantitative easing, which means they were buying securities and uh, bonds and stuff on the market. Now, for, for those of you that are not aware, when, when the central bank is buying stuff out of the market, that means they're trying to keep prices high by buying the stuff because they have no need. Well, theoretically, they have no need to own that stuff. But if, if they're buying up the public corporations, who makes the decisions of the public corporations, right? The shareholders. I saw a graphic today and said, basically said BlackRock owns and it had pretty much logos of every company you've ever heard of. Now, obviously, they don't necessarily own majority. Well, the, but big, share, but big, the big shareholders choose the board. Big, and then they have big influence on these yeah, companies. And then they influence these companies. So the Fed would similarly have influence. And, and anyway, it's keeping these prices artificially high. So when they stop buying or when they start selling, that's going to crash the stock market, the bond market. They're going to crash the mortgage market. They're going to... Basically, through the through the supply chain disruption, they caused all the prices to get out of control. They, the government, the policymakers, whatever. And now the Fed comes in and says, "Hey, we got to slow down inflation." So therefore, they raise interest rates, and bam, people stop spending even even more, and the economy slows way down. The doomsday, <laughs> the doomsday. People have a playlist of music. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Does REM top the, the list? It's the end uh, of the world as we know it. I don't see, they've got 13 songs starting with Wasteland Baby from Hosier, uh, Easy Lucky Free from Bright Eyes, Two Minutes to Midnight, 2015 remaster from Iron Maiden, um, and a few others. These guys are serious people. We got to take them seriously. Yawn. Awkward pause. <laughs> so, I think there's a, I think there's a lot going on right now that we really ought to be paying attention to. There's a really good article here on uh, Zero Hedge by QTR's Fringe Finance. They're asking about why China's gone so f- like. <laughs> what's the word? I learned a new, a new phrase. Um. It's like a, oh man, I can't remember. (laughs) 
Okay, I'm sorry. They've gone. China's gone. They've gone all out on um. Uh, who who was it? Truman. Truman will know. They've they've gone like a like a uh, like a mother something. Uh, come on, Truman, make a comment here. Ham. Ham. Yeah. What does that mean? Ham means hard as a M- hard as an emmer. Mfer. Yeah, that's it. They've gone ham. Yeah, that's true. What Truman Truman taught me that. So. So China's gone ham, and that's not how you're supposed to say it, but this is how you say it if you're you old, if ham. you're an old fuddy-duddy, you say it like I'm saying it. It's that China has gone ham on uh, <laughs> lockdowns. There, this article that I'm going to link to has a graph that shows how it, it shows lockdown intensity in the top 100 cities by share of national GDP for China. And, and so... They've got three, four different categories, targeted restrictions, partial lockdown, severe lockdown, or full lockdown. And of, okay, so they have five categories, actually. And then they also have no restrictions. But half of the country is in either severe or partial, severe, or full lockdown. Like millions and millions of people are under lockdown right now. And this this. Uh, QTR fringe financers, they're asking why, right? Who, why, and why now? See, these people, people are starting to get it. Why, who, why, and why now? We're asking the right questions. And so they float three scenarios. Number one, the CCP, the Communist Chinese Party. Chinese Communist Party, is that? I don't Mm -hmm. know. You pick what. Keep in mind, these aren't the lockdowns like you had in spring 2020 where you could go outside and still go to Walmart and still leave your home. These, These are like, prison lockdowns did we link to the video you sent me of the guys just moaning out moaning of yeah like they're, they're they're recording out of off their balcony and the whole city like these uh apartment building after apartment building these high rises right there's all these people wailing out the window i, I don't know if we and did then there was not. one where a drone came and told them stop crying go back inside it's your patriotic duty or something. What did they say? Your, your patriotic duty is to die for the country. I mean, I don't know if that's what it said, but it's the sentiment. Because people are dying. They're throwing themselves off their buildings, off their balconies. They're well, we starving. Don't we don't know. Like, we, we don't live in we, China, right? We like, think. Last, we wonder, we've, we've wondered on this show if the, the theater from, you know, spring or late winter of 2020 with the whole start of COVID, you know, where people were collapsing the street. We we're wondering if that was made up, right? Cause we just don't know welding doors shut on buildings. Mm-hmm. Did the Chinese really do that? Or is that a big propaganda exercise? Cause they're, they're close society. We don't know what happens over there, but a lot of, a lot of the social media people are saying that they have friends and that, th- that these movies are st- starting to leak out. These video clips are starting to leak out of the people. The, the people really are under lockdown. Yeah, I don't know how they'd lock out be, or leak out because they have a great firewall. Yeah, it's called a VPN. Yeah, virtual private network. But I think that's easier for us to obtain, though, isn't it? Well, I think if you were living in a society like that, you'd start to get pretty good at workarounds. Maybe. Maybe. This I think show they, brought I think to you they by shut <laughs> VPN. <laughs> VPN. Pfizer VPN. VPN providers are big time podcast and YouTuber sponsor. So if you're a VPN provider and you're looking for a <laughs> show with a lot of listeners and no sponsors, we have a deal for you. Well, anyway, something weird's going on in China. 
right? So these yes, the QTR guys are saying the CCP may be trying to usurp more power. That's one plausible possibility. Or number two, there may be something about COVID that they don't know that the rest of the world, sorry, there must be something about COVID that China knows that the rest of the world still doesn't know. Like maybe it's worse than we thought. Or China is just trying to scare everybody like they did in 2020. Okay, that's, but that's not on their list here. Listen right. to this one. This, listen to this one. The, the idea is China is looking for an excuse to slow its production to put pressure on the Western world at a time when it's trying to separate further economically from the West. So this is, let me put that into plain English. They're using their production capacity as, a, as sort of a passive-aggressive weapon, a gaslighting type of a weapon. Like They're like, hey, we're, we're just not going to feed you guys with all these cheap goods and and they're not they're not saying it. They're, there's no rhetoric accompanying it. They're, and that's the question you have to ask. Why would they do it that way? Is it so that the so that there's no real ability for the Western propaganda outlets to place the blame on the Chinese because they've committed so much to COVID? It's like it's it's like a big propaganda chess match. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it is it's bizarre because. The rest of the world, for the most part, has kind of put COVID behind them. It's now time to stand with Ukraine. Didn't you even have Dr. Fauci, if he really is a doctor? I mean, no, I, I think he's got the credentials. I, I take offense to your, in, your insinuation. I, I think you've got the credentials, Dr. Fauci, but I mean, really? You're going to call yourself a doctor? Doctor. 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 Well, he did come out recently and said, oh, my, we might have to reintroduce the lockdowns. <laughs> uh, I mean, he just can't let it go. And, and you know, his, his time in the spotlight is probably fading. And I hope the time, his time in prison is looming. But I don't think anything's going to happen like that with anybody that... I mean, there were real crimes committed over the last two years by are wise and thoughtful government leaders and they're they're going to get away with it. As far as China goes, I I have no idea. I have no idea why that's happening, if it's really happening and what it all means for for us. Well, it means we're not going to get cheap stuff here in about 3 to 6 months. That's that's one thing that it means. Probably you're right. So, here you have a, a situation where the Fed is destroying our economy or our, they've set us up to fall and so they're going to dis- I'm not saying they shouldn't raise interest rates. See, it's a catch-22 because the easy money has has created this explosive uh, speculative environment that we're in. A lot of people call it the everything bubble, right? So I'm not saying the f- <laughs> that there's an easy way out of this if the Fed would just give us back the easy money, right? That that exacerbates the situation. But th- they're they're destroying the economy. The Chinese are pulling back and so we're not going to have the cheap goods we're all we're all used to the world food supply situation is in dire straits the russians account for apparently half of the fertilizer market so we've got and we had some significant rains in the midwest so the american fertilizer guys from what i understand are kind of behind the eight ball they've got huge demand and um they're running late on supply. So 
farmers around the world are not going to be able to grow as much food. So we, have, we really have a legitimate food shortage crisis developing here. Like if you, if you heard a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about preparedness. The big focus was food. I think that was prescient. You need to be getting food. If you're going to do anything, food would be helpful. <clears throat> but uh, there's that going on. And this is the carpet bombing, right? This is the carpet bombing that's uh, just destroying, <clears throat> destroying the public mind. Uh, you got the war in Ukraine. It's we're, we're now seeing uh, like the Russians have captured British soldiers, right? So the clearly the Americans and the British are over there warring, kind of right. <laughs> uh, so we we have essentially a war that's just not declared yet. Um, you've got I don't know. Did you hear that the Durham uh, investigator, the guy, uh, what's his name? What's his first name? Mm. John Durham. Mm -hmm. He's been investigating the Clintons, the Russiagate scandal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's he's finding Zero Hedge keeps breaking these uh, these little bits and pieces of the story. It turns out that they're they're actually finding the evidence that the Clinton campaign or the Democrats or whoever totally fabricated. I mean we're. This is this is slowly getting out that it was totally fabricated. All that Russia, Russia, Russia. Donald Trump is is in collusion with Russia. So so that's in the waiting in the wings because the the media is is completely reluctant to the, the mainstream media is is very reluctant to get to get into this story. But nobody's listening to them anymore, right? Like most of the country is trying to find alternate sources because they're not getting getting fed. They're not getting the truth. Or anything close to it, right? So, so the Durham thing is about to break, which means that not only was the Clinton campaign complicit, but the Obama administration and the CIA and the FBI conspired against a presidential candidate and a sitting president. <laughs> okay, so there's that, <laughs> there's that, and then you've got um, the Hunter Biden laps laptop thing, which demonstrates all the the Ukraine deals, right? So we, we have like the, the potential like spontaneous combustion of the American political class. Like, we, so if, if the but Americans are without cheap Chinese goods, if the supply chain just completely comes to grinds to a halt, shrivels up like a prune and somebody all of a sudden decides, you know, in the oligarchy says, yeah, let's just destroy the top. Let's cut the head off of this snake. <laughs> Which is, which is the rug pull theory we talked about. Where does that leave the Americans? I mean, are they? Uh, there may not be an FDR or an Abraham Lincoln or some guy that they've. They might just leave us dangling, flapping in the breeze. Well, that was my kind of my tinfoil hat theory on all of this. Like when I when I said that the mainstream media was starting to acknowledge that the Hunter laptop was real. And it's all going to unravel into uh, basically no election in 2022. Well, but yeah, and but maybe who's the president? Well, in my little fantasy theory, it was uh, a committee. Like, You're right. Committee. You, said, you said a committee. Like I remember. A UN I remember. or uh, some sort of like corporate. Blue, blue hats. The, the blue hat UN guys. Yeah. Or just like a corporate slash uh, NGO uh, panel of Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey. Mark Zuckerberg, our favorite oligarchs. I think it'd be more like like people like uh, we've never heard of. 
would come in and be like, I have been assigned to be in the new presidential council by my friend Klaus Schwab. I don't know what accent that is, but it's, it's there. People like uh, we were just reading about on the Doomsday Clock. Yeah, the, like those charge, types, right? Like maybe this, some intelligence guys, you know, from the Rachel, U.S. This Rachel chick, she's going to be like the chairman of the board. Rachel Bronson, yeah, from the, from the Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah, people like that. That would be my, because they're not going to say, okay, well, Joe Biden, because the, the the underlying theory was that they're getting ready to to retire Joe Biden. And I mean, you watch him recently. It just—it's just sad. It's really sad. I, I think he's been a hateful, arrogant man his whole life. But it is this is elder abuse. I mean, he's—it's just sad. And his wife is despicable for what she's doing because she's just playing first lady. I think the whole world knows he's not in charge. And so, who are the people in charge? Well, it's people like Susan Rice and uh, probably Valerie Jarrett and Barack Obama. Barack Obama I think, I think is still involved. Still, I think he's like a teleprompter reader. He's a celebrity. He is, but it's those people. It's the people who controlled him. It's the same people. Yeah. And we could make the argument whether or not he's a they, sock puppet. Whether or not they controlled Trump, or maybe they just tried to contain him because they certainly he was certainly surrounded by globalists pretty quick. Trump was. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, I could work for the doomsday guys. I got all kinds of doomsday scenarios. This is where we need the live call-in portion of our show. <laughs> We're going to go to phone calls now. Dave in Nebraska. Yeah, I was just uh, reading on the internet, and so I'm in my truck. <laughs> Looks like we lost Dave in Nebraska. <laughs> Next caller, do another one. Do a girl, <laughs> Sally. Uh, we've got Sally from Sacramento. Sally, you are on the Mind Virus show. Um, yeah. Um, um, my um, I was. Did COVID come from a snake? Ooh, good question. Timely question, That's Sally. That's one we didn't talk about. Thanks, Sally. <clears throat> that was that broke this week, right? The whole snake venom thing. What do you think? I know a lot of the a lot of the people in the alternative space. So, meaning, re, at least might be credible. <laughs> right. I don't, haven't lost all credibility by uh, sleeping with executives from Pfizer and uh, Hunter Biden at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, and wearing a mask on all all you know every, every side the of their same body. Time. The, <laughs> these people, yeah. There were a lot of people that came out in, so in, if, in case you missed it, Dr. Artis was on the Stu Peters show, and he claimed that he thought it looks like the COVID might be snake venom. Yeah. Yeah. It was, well, and he had a lot of good reasons why. He had some really compelling things to say. There are some, some favorable rebuttals. What I mean by favorable is people that are sort of on team reality understand something odd's been going on, but are saying this probably isn't the whole story about the snake venom theory. And, and the theory is that, it, that COVID isn't airborne, but it's spread through the water supply. So they synthesized it like a low-grade poison that would cause a certain... See, artists' 
so I know we've got some listeners out there that have already debunked the snake venom theory, but let, let's just think of it maybe as if it were a poison, how that would work. What, what came out of the study of this uh, documentary-related rela- materials, I'll, I'll throw a link to the What's in the Water documentary that Stu Peters did. It's, it's mostly just a highly produced um, interview, interview with, with like him a and Dr. Artist. It's like a 60-minute style Doc, interview. Dr. Artist, Artist is a chiropractor, so that is immediately one check mark against him in mainstream credentials. Um, but, but he's done some good work with Rem, Rem Desivir. Rem Desivir. Yeah. He exposed how dangerous Rem Desivir is and, uh, basically shed a lot of light on it by pointing people to the studies that they had already run. Okay. So it's not like he's making this stuff up. You can go read about how bad remdesivir is. And remdesivir, of course, only got emergency use authorization because Dr. Fauci owns part of Gilead, which owns remdesivir and they want to sell it to people theoretically, or they want to kill people. Just wait one minute. (laughs) Yes. So everything you just said is true. (laughs) So he, uh, so he seems like a good, a good, well-meaning guy, but l- like, let's think about a low-grade poison because one of the things that came out as I was studying this is I, it, it, it occurred to me and it occurred to them that they're following, they were following a quota system, and there was some evidence that came out early on where people had called in, you know, like a, have a relative in a nursing home, and they're testing everybody in the nursing home every day, even though they don't have symptoms, right? And then once they once they test them positive, then they move them to an isolation ward, and then the guy's parents, you know, the, the person in the nursing home dies, the kids are upset because their, their dad dies or whatever, so they start up making some calls, and they find out that uh, the testing facility has changed the cycle threshold from 25 to 40, which, the, the, remember, the, the wagons got circled at some point, so it was hard to get information after a while, but early on, we got some interesting information. And uh, one guy had said he was on the phone with the nurse. And he's like, why is my dad in, in this isolation? And by the way, the guy dies pretty quickly after being put in isolation. He'd only been in the nursing home for like a month, right? Well, so they're upset, trying to figure out what's going on. There had to be a false positive, And the nurse calls the testing facility, finds out they've raised the cycle threshold from 25 to 40. And she says, why'd you do that? And, then, and the testing center says, well, we had to make it match the bell curve. Okay, ding, 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 ding. Okay, so that means we have evidence that these testing facilities had a specific outcome they were looking for, looking to create. So if you can get people feeling sick and cause them to want to take tests that you manipulate, and if, and if you can actually create enough of a sickness to cause people to have to go to the hospital, then you can get them on more poison like remdesivir which you get paid for you know anyway so there's well blocking things like hydroxychloroquine ivermectin and other right notable meanwhile possible remedies meanwhile uh yeah dismissing and uh refuting any possible or even just early treatment options banning banning them yeah yeah so if you can if you can get a well, what am I trying to say here? There, there, there was a statistical goal, it looks like, of how many people they wanted to get into the hospital system. And when you're dealing with a large population, that's the way you would do it, right? You would say, hey, we need to do something. If, you, if this were nefarious, <laughs> then, you, if. then you would need to perform some action that caused a certain amount of reaction, right? A statistical 
measurable amount of reaction that then creates a certain number of patients, which causes a certain number of death, which causes a certain number of hysteria, a certain amount of hysteria. I think I think that's the way these people think. That's that's what I'm saying here. And and it was interesting right. to listen to Doctor Artis. So if you don't believe the snake venom thing, at least look at the positives that came out of that. That looks like a real po- possibility. Another thing that was interesting that he was talking about was the, his his thought process. He's like he because he and other doctors have this have developed this sort of procedural uh, flowchart where. It goes something like this. If the CDC says X, Y, Z, then do the opposite. Right. If the CDC says believe this, then you believe the opposite, right? If, if the government says something, then you have to, you know, look at the exact opposite because that's where we're at. They, they were making, they've been, they've been uh, the policy they've been putting out and the things they've been saying have been so ridiculous that, I mean, we're still stuck wearing masks on airplanes, Right. When it's been proven clearly that the masks don't work. Yet if you tell if you tell uh, anybody on the street that the masks don't work here in Utah, they'll say, well, BYU did a study, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, w- our minds are fully broken. So so the the way that uh, these guys are starting to discern truth is at least at least one of the factors that they use to triangulate is what did the CDC say? So that that was one of the re- things that led this doctor artist to really considering the snake venom theory because they had been so hardcore against the idea that it came from a, a snake in China early on and how much they had glossed over other other things relating to... Uh, well, man, I'm having a hard time putting my thoughts together here. The, the idea was that a lot of the treatments that are used that, that show to be effective, they're also, that have shown to be effective against COVID are also effective against snake venom. Right, specifically monoclonal antibodies. But one of the things that I read, I think you sent to me, that monoclonal antibodies aren't like a uh, ibuprofen or something. There's lots of different sorts of, it's almost a process of creating something. So you can do it for both SARS and Venom. You can, you can create monoclonal antibodies. Right. Yeah, I I don't know what to believe here, but I do right. I do like the idea of if the CDC says something, run the, run the other direction. Yeah, if Dr. Fauci says to wear four masks, wear zero masks. By the way, Zero Hedge is reporting that a federal judge has just declared the Biden admin's mask mandate for planes unlawful. Yeah, it's got to go. It's like the last bastion of masking right now, and it's causing a lot of conflict. And oh, a federal judge in Florida. Yeah, of course. They'll just dismiss it because Florida is anti-science and anti-freedom. And uh, they're going to turn the whole world into Florida if Ron DeSantis becomes president. Florida's kind of a nice place. It rains a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of old people. Yeah. A lot of the people who dismiss DeSantis as death Santis also go on vacation there. (laughs) And and they were seen maskless in Florida, having drinks with friends and yeah, like uh, AOC. Florida is the the vacation destination of the hypocrites. Mm-hmm. The, the hypocrisy takes its vacations to Florida. Well, Bobby. Anyway, <laughs> snake venom. 
that's where we're at. Well, and I was talking about this last night with some people, like whether or not the snake theory is true, what is interesting and what is true is that nothing makes sense. Nothing in the in the in the approved narrative with COVID or the vaccines makes sense. And that's true of a lot of different things in our world right now. It's everything is inverted and upside down and confusing and sort of beyond beyond logic. And so it's like, what's really going on and why? Why is all this happening? Why are we being told to believe such absurdities? And why are so many people going along with it? I think the answer comes back to the doomsday clock. Well, just on a whim, I decided to load up KSL here. And top story, of course, is that a Latter-day Saint apostle is sharing marriage advice with CBS News in the Washington, D.C. temple. Yeah, so I saw something about that. There was a, a walkthrough. CBS News got a guided tour of the D.C. temple, which is um, going about to go through its open house phase, right, after being remodeled. So it got uh, remodeled, decommissioned, unsacredified, <laughs> so that the, the hoi polloi, the ma- unwashed masses could... Uh, rebuild it, remodel it. it. Go go see what it's like. And now, yeah, now it's opening up a three or four month open house period. And it'll be really popular because it's in a very populated area. It's a very high profile building. You can see it on the freeway down there, out there, very prominent. And of course, the church is going to invite a lot of dignitaries and diplomats and things that Hold the you phone. Know, all the, the DC types. Hold the phone there. here. Hold the phone. I don't have a phone. I, okay. My phone's on the table. Okay. Stop the presses. Okay, hold on a second here. Bobby Flood, have you ever seen KSL or anybody ever talk about Alex Jones? Has anyone ever mentioned the word Infowars.com or Alex Jones in any of these regional, you know, not that propaganda outlets? But if they they won't touch Alex Jones with a ten-foot pole until today, until today, the headline is Alex Jones files for bankruptcy. I read the article. Oh my gosh, who's Alex Jones? Who is this Alex Jones, and why is he filing for bankruptcy? Well, they'll tell you why. Oh my gosh. They're reveling in it. And I don't know if that was, uh, was, was that a national story that they just aggregated or was that a local Associated Press. Yeah. So of course they're going to pick that up. My goodness. You know, KSL started to turn me off a few years ago. Well, first of all, when they, remember when their classifieds used to allow advertising for guns? And then I... Uh, I think it might have been after Sandy Hook or was it after uh, the Las Vegas one where they stopped allowing you to advertise guns on their classified section? Somewhere in there. And Sandy Hook is why, you realize, why Alex Jones is in hot water. Allegedly. I mean, Utah, so KSL is a Utah rag, propaganda rag, right? Mm-hmm. And they are, they are probably doing the best because they ha- they they were able to get all the market share for the classified system. They offered a free classified ad system. And so 70 eight, probably 80% of Utahns own guns. <laughs> but they are so moral they've taken such a moral high morally high position here. They're so virtuous that they stopped allowing us to advertise for guns. So now you got to go to Utah Gun Exchange. A, guy, a local guy was able to cash in on that and do a classified ad system when KSL just decided to hand him the business. By the way, KSL, people are still buying and selling guns in Utah with or without the internet. 
<laughs> but these guys, okay, so so the first strike, yeah, they 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 get rid of the gun section. Then they have they have over the last ten years, like been incredibly anti-gun in a very subtle way. They'll they'll put any any gun story, like some kid stubs his toe on a gun in New Jersey and it's it's newsworthy on KSL. Okay? Anybody that has a gun accident, they want they want to push I've seen him pushing the strangest anti-gun stuff over the last 10 years. KSL is not your friend. That's Definitely all I'm saying. Not. Definitely not. Neither is any news outlet. Especially one that peddles known misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies. Apparently, we're euthanizing chickens here in Utah County. Why? Bird flu. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I saw something about bird flu found in Utah. But, but, this is front page. Taco Bell is bringing back a fan favorite menu item, the Mexican pizza, after a roughly, a roughly two-year hiatus. <laughs> That's news right underneath Alex Jones here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and a, we have a BYU professor leading the fight against the, quote, plagues of prosperity. Yeah, I clicked on that one because that headline was odd to me. And he, uh, I don't know if he uses that phrase. I sort of skimmed the article and he's talking about eating meat and fat and uh, cutting empty, useless carbs from your diet, which I agree wholeheartedly with. But I, that, that, I don't know what prosperity's got to do with any of that. Oh, but Salt Lake police have conf- confiscated dozens of guns from people who have them illegally. That's that's it, how vague can your yeah. your uh, news did speak they steal, be? Did they steal them Salt from Lake, somebody else? Let me read this one. Let me read this one. Salt Lake City, estimated read time one to two minutes. This is good because we only have one to two minutes here on the podcast. (laughs) Salt Lake City, dash. Salt Lake City police said officers seized 27 guns from people who have them, who had them illegally in the month of March. Quote, a lot of guns are in the hands of people who shouldn't have them, quote, said Salt Lake City Police Chief Mike Brown. That's now more than 50 guns taken in the just just the last... I can't even do this. But why? That's now more than 50 guns taken in just the last couple of months. Brown what? said, finding and seizing guns from people who have them illegally. <laughs> it sounds like the Babylon Bee. Yeah. Do you have guns illegally? No. There's a pill for that. There's a vaccine for that. <laughs> you have them illegally. Oh, you have rabies. Yes, but he said, illegally. He said, finding and seizing guns from people who, quote, have them illegally is one of the department's priorities. He also praised the efforts of his officers for doing the hard work on the streets. Many of the seized guns were stolen from cars or homes. Brown said, it's a reminder for gun owners to lock up their guns and avoid leaving them in vehicles where they can easily be stolen. (laughs) So are they taking guns from people people who have them illegally? (laughs) Did they steal the guns? I mean, they give advice there not to get your gun stolen, which is like saying don't drive your car off a cliff because the GPS tells you to. I mean, obviously... Every, every gun has an impact in our community because that gun could be used in a violent crime. Could he be. He said, those bullets rip through our community. They tear families apart. The bottom line is we will hold you accountable, and our officers are very dedicated and good at what we do. Hold who accountable? People who have guns illegally. <laughs> But the bullets don't do anything. The bullets aren't ripping families apart. 
bullets are inanimate until they are exploded. Uh, let me tell you, it takes a, an idiot holding the gun to do anything. Okay. Right. G- guns are dangerous. They're very. No, they're they're not though. They Keep... they they are dangerous weapons that, if you're not careful with them, you you the operator yeah. can cause problems. You know what is more dangerous than a gun? Cars kill people cars. all over the place. Cars. How about your stovetop? Well, what's interesting to me is that you can have an accident with a gun and you'll feel really bad about it or whatever. People, it's going to be terrible, right? But people have auto accidents all the time and they don't get the stern talking to or all the negative energy, right? Like you have, you, you could, you could have killed somebody with that car. Yeah, but I didn't. And people die in auto accidents far more often than gun crimes or gun accidents, right? But we don't have this, you know, the, the energy that accompanies it is nowhere, the, nowhere near the same. Like if you get, in a, you get in a fender bender or whatever, you're unlikely to have the cop or whoever sitting there on the curb, you know, chewing you out, telling you you're mishandling your car. Whatever. Right. They all come up. They've done this before. You get out the insurance. Everybody's like, okay. But nobody's sitting there going, oh, you could have killed I mean, I, I, I'm guessing in some cases it does happen. You know, people get pretty animated over a lot of things. But it's, it's less common to have that kind of energy accompanying an auto accident than it would be mishandling of a firearm, right? Or, quote, having it illegally. Do you have this gun legally, sir? That's like... Um, sir, I'd like to see if you have that gun legally. When you travel or... Do some other things when they ask, do you have any illegal drugs on your person? Or any illegal produce, if you're right. here in California. <laughs> True. Well, maybe, maybe we should wrap this one up soon, but I, I wanted <laughs> we to... We should wrap up. I was... I was I've, I've been stuck on this doomsday... Uh, the doomsday clock? This website. I think it's funny that the, the bulletin of the atomic scientists are so anti... Uh, nuclear weapon and, and it's kind of funny when when everything's you know when all you have is a hammer right everything's a nail and this was this was something written in may may 19th 2021 by their editor-in-chief john mecklen and he <laughs> how to dial back a disinformation dystopia and you can already i bet you you can you know exactly what he's going to say in this Editorial. Well, first you need to bankrupt Alex Jones. <laughs> right, right. But <clears throat> he says, uh, there is no silver bullet that will set the 21st century information ecosystem right. Driving the sordid fantasies of QAnon, anti-vaccination, anti-science, stolen election propaganda, and other digital lies to extinction. <laughs> what is, that's, a, that's one sentence. Yeah, wow. Whichever American. Got everybody there. Whichever American coined the phrase, there's a sucker born every minute, was, after all, probably understating 19th century reality by at least an order of magnitude. And in our era, the power of globally networked digital technology has favored hucksters of all kinds and made humanity's credulity dilemma markedly worse. But the management of difficult problems is a bulletin forte. And in this issue, we asked a range of experts for their thoughts on how to at least begin to limit the worst effects of internet-based mis- and dis-information on public discourse and public policy. 
Wow. <clears throat> you know what's interesting is he does say something true here. He says that he says that the digital technology has favored hucksters of all kinds. And you know what? He's right. His entire existence is based on that. I mean, they've been for 70 years telling us that we're, we are on the verge of destruction. And there's been no worse, there's been no hucksters worse than those in government and in the corporate press over the last, well, forever. But over the last two, three years, it's been, it's been remarkable the amount of misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies that have been peddled as truth and as settled science and as settled, uh, settled truth. So John Merkel, Mecklen, John Mecklen, you're right, but you need to look in the mirror (laughs) and disclose your donors. I can't find who their donors are. Well, by the way, Alex Jones today is talking about his bankruptcy breaking. Did Alex Jones slash Infowars declare bankruptcy? Question mark. Turn in to learn the truth. Tune in to learn the truth. So you, there actually are s- different sides to this story. You can probably get Alex's opinion on it on the air today and uh, triangulate that against what the Associated Press is saying in KSL and the likes of them. If you want to get brain damage, read the KSL comments. Uh, it's got to be like a CIA troll farm or something. I mean, uh, half of them are probably fake from an AI, and then a third of them are probably from uh, paid shills. And right. then, and then and <laughs> that leaves what? One half plus one third. Do the fractions on the air. Let's see. The way you do that is you got to convert the... To six, okay, so yeah. So we got one sixth left, right? Did I get my fractions right? Probably not, but the I, other sixth of the commenters, <laughs> <laughs> they are um, brain dead, uh, mentally ill people. So, and sometimes you get some people defending truth and freedom there. So that's that. There are just a few of those guys, but statistically, it's sort of an anomaly. So KSL commenters, be careful. Just Careful if you're reading the comments. Just don't read the comments because you said it would cause brain damage. You said if you want brain damage. Who wants brain damage? Well, <laughs> some people do. Some people seem to want it. They're, some, they're inviting just it. Give me the lobotomy so I can aimlessly float through life as a genderless cause feeding the Mask machine. Wearer. <laughs> okay, Bobby. We're, this is, this is going to be titled 12 minutes, 12, 12 seconds to midnight. And we will post a link to the Atomic Scientist Bulletin website. I am not posting any links to KSL. You can go <laughs> search KSL on your own. I'm not giving them any, any more traffic. Okay, I'm going to link to the confiscation of the guns article. I, I, I repent of that statement. From people illegally, who have them illegally. Who have them illegally. Yeah. Do you have that gun legally, sir? Oh, okay. Carry on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Carry on yes, about your business. I do. I do. I have it legally. According to the Second Amendment, <laughs> the guns are supposed to be legal from the start. I guess that maybe they're talking about people who have stolen guns, which that would mean that you have obtained that you obtained it illegally. No, of course the 
but they're so vague about it. The point is, how can we how can we say this to break the public mind? To right. Make them think that guns are illegal. Exactly. What they're making oh, do you, it sound like. Do you have like, a permit for that gun, sir? How many times have you seen that in the movies? Do you have a permit for that gun, sir? Yes, it's right here in the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> here's, his, here's my pocket Constitution. Oh, uh, okay. Well, friends, dear friends and listeners, meaning you're, you're one and the same, or either or, take that however you want it. Uh, happy Easter. Remember, we do need a Savior dramatically, very badly, and things are getting weird. Now is a good time to continue to make preparations. Uh, I don't know how long they can drag this out. I think it's going to grind on us, so I think you need to have, you need to be prepared on all fronts. Don't just go blow all your money on food storage. You're going to probably need some money for stuff that you can have legally. Yeah, you have to have it legally. Yep. And the stuff you might have to have illegally, too, because people who ha- have that illegally also take money in do, trade. Do, 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 Sometimes. Do, 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 do. In January 2022, the Science and Security Board of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists set the doomsday clock at 100 seconds to midnight. At that time, we called out Ukraine as a potential flashpoint in an increasingly tense international security landscape. For many years, we and others have warned that the most likely way nuclear weapons might be used is through an unwanted or unintended escalation from a con conventional conflict. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has brought this nightmare scenario to life, with Russian President Vladimir Putin threatening to elevate nuclear alert levels and even first use of nuclear weapons if NATO steps in to help Ukraine. This is what 100 seconds to midnight looks like. I recall in their updates... They were 100 seconds to midnight before that. Right, and also saying last year's leadership change in the United States provides hope that what seemed like a global race toward catastrophe might be halted and with renewed U.S. engagement, even reversed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, friends, uh, that's all I got to say. I'm signing off. I'm just shaking my head. I, I hope you had a nice Easter weekend. Yeah, I hope you did hug, too. Hug your kids. <laughs> you have 100 seconds left until it all ends. So that's. I'm saying 12. <laughs> Counting down from 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs>